Welcome to Retention Chronicles, a podcast sponsored by Malomo, a shipment tracking platform that helps e-commerce brands turn order tracking from a cost center into a profitable marketing channel. Here at Malomo, one of our core values is to constantly be learning about something new. So our marketing team, consisting of Sarah Lights, our head of marketing here at Malomo, and I, Mariah Parsons, have set out to do exactly that, and we hope that you join us. We will be discussing everything that surrounds customer retention, what it is, why it's important, how it fluctuates, how it grows, what you can get out of it, and so much more. On this week's episode of Retention Chronicles, we welcome Josh Noteman, Director of Growth and Digital Product at Careway, a brand that centers around beautifully designed non-toxic kitchenware. Careway has been doing such amazing work on communicating with their customers, and it truly shines through in this episode. Josh recounts all of their efforts by telling about the unique communication channels they considered and ultimately implemented in order to add value to their very loyal customer base. Josh acknowledges the strategic shift of focusing on customer acquisition to retention and importance of capitalizing on the post-purchase space, which he believes is underinvested in. Josh also tells us about the experience in growing a brand from a single product to a multi-product company with a product that has a lower frequency of purchase. And he explains how they're able to maintain customer engagement through different messaging. With all the supply chain demands and back orders, we discuss the importance of transparency and thoughtful messaging with your customers, which flows into the overall intentionality behind Caraway's messaging and support team. Caraway does something very special for their customers who reach out to the support team for some assistance, but you'll just have to listen to find out exactly what that is. All this talk about cookware and bakeware may want to make you grab a snack. Enjoy. So today on Retention Chronicles, we're joined by Josh at Caraway. So thank you for being here, Josh, and we're super excited to have you. Thanks for having me. First, we thought, you know, it'd be awesome to jump in and have you tell us about what you do at Caraway, your position, and what exactly is Caraway. Yeah, Caraway is a kitchenware brand. We launched about two years ago now, uh, and we're really focused on bringing non-toxic kitchenware for your home. And so, you know, we started with our Hero Cookware set that we've seen a lot of success with. Um, and now just recently, a few weeks back or about a month back now, expanded into bakeware that we've seen a really strong response on. And so, you know, for us, we, we see the kitchen and the broader home as our space. Um, and, you know, starting yeah, with these non-toxic, non-stick, um, you know, cooking, baking products, and really also making sure, you know, that you have a holistic storage solution for it as well. I'm sure you, like many other people, myself included, you know, my cabinets have been a huge mess in the past. You know, it's the leaning tower of pots and pans. And that's something we also really try to solve there as well with our products. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, it's sometimes those cabinet doors, they're acting as a barrier so everything doesn't fall out, you know? (laughs) Um, And so what exactly, you know, what is your position at Caraway? What do you contribute to most? Yeah, I'm the director of growth and digital product at Caraway. Uh, I joined um, a little over two years ago before we launched to build the growth foundation for the organization. Uh, We've grown pretty tremendously since then. Um, You know, I was employee number uh, four, you know, including our founder. Now we're in the mid 20s Um, and it's been really exciting, you know, to to build out a team here. 
Um, but yeah, it separates, you know, we cover a lot of ground uh, It includes kind of growth marketing. So acquisition and retention efforts, you know, a lot of the uh, data uh, efforts for the organization are also centralized on my team and digital product. So for us, that's kind of the core e-commerce business that makes up the vast majority of our sales um, and really making sure that we can take that and evolve it kind of similar you know, way that we would with our own marketing channels, right? We really wanted to consolidate those, integrate them, bring them under one team so we can kind of treat them the same way, take learnings from both and kind of continue that optimization. Yeah, sounds like, you know, you kind of play a hand in everything. And so with that, how do you try and approach growing that retention? What's Caraway's approach when you're trying to grow into that space? Yeah, you know, retention has been a really interesting one for us. You know, since we've launched, we've had really, really strong um, brand loyalty, but for the longest time, we couldn't really capitalize on it. You know, on our site now, I think we have over 20,000 reviews. We average a 4.8 um, and consumers just really, really love our products. And so they've been clamoring for more. And with this bakeware line that I mentioned that just launched, you know, this was really our chance to deliver on that sort of most requested product line. And the response has been tremendous. And so, you know, we really kind of had to change gears a little bit. We're used to being an acquisition focused organization. Um, and really think, okay, you know, how can we capitalize on this brand loyalty with our customers? And, you know, it's a lot harder than you'd think to, you know, really do retention marketing effectively, right? You know, it's not just, oh, you know, let's send a few emails, people will buy, it'll be great, we're done. You know, you know no, you need a really, you need an integrated strategy, you need an ongoing strategy, um, you know, to make consumers aware. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges of retention marketing in general is, you know, you have these channels at your fingertips, but at the end of the day, even if you have the most loyal, engaged email list, for instance, 50% of those people aren't going to open your email and most likely not even see it. And so the challenge is, okay, how can we make our customer base even aware that this new product exists, many of whom have written in surveys and reviews that they want it. And so that's kind of, you know, challenge number one and one that we've really dove into, you know, from the start with the launch of this product. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense of trying to find different channels so that you get, you know, that uniform, that uniform awareness of all the different initiatives that you're doing. So you mentioned the email list and how one of those hurdles is having an open rate of 50%. And so what are some other ways that you try and launch these new, as you said, the bakeware line and really try and get those different initiatives across multiple channels? Yeah, so we, we have a couple kind of, I would say, core channels underneath our retention umbrella. So email I mentioned is a big one, one of the biggest SMS we've seen a lot of success with, um, both in the past and for this launch. We did an early access for SMS. Uh, and I remember, I think it was 7 p.m. at night or something Eastern. I was glancing on the site and all of a sudden there were 2,500 mobile users on there just on our bakeware pages you know, so excited about it. And the purchases started rolling in from there. It was our very first push. Um, and so that's kind of been really key to our success as well. It has much, much higher um, kind of open rates, you know, kind of considering the more uh, intimate it is as a medium. You know, we do run Facebook ads and things as well for that. Um, but two others that I think have been, you know, really important for us and we see as an important uh, aspect moving forward is direct mail. You know, we have the addresses of everyone who we've shipped our product to, obviously. 
Um, and, you know, when you can really get a mailer that's very visual, like our product is very, very visual, um, and put that in front of the customer in their mailbox when it theoretically has a much, much higher open rate than email, for example, um, that's a really good opportunity to drive that awareness and down funnel to conversion. And so that's a channel that we've been really excited about and one that we're investing in now and continuing to invest more. Uh, the other one is Malomo. You know, for us, our tracking page has a tremendous amount of traffic. You know, as customers come back again and again to check the status, to click through perhaps to our care and cleaning uh, instructions and things like that. And so we already integrate and are continuing to integrate even more our bakeware products and new products as they come out into that Malomo tracking page. Because like I was saying, it's really all about driving that awareness. And so the challenge for, you know, retention marketing for, you know, launching these new products is, you know, how do we make them aware? How do we, you know, show consumers this product where in places that their attention is going to be? And so that is email, that's SMS, that's their mailbox, you know, perhaps that's some digital advertising, but that's the, you know, that's the tracking page. That's, a, you know, another big area of attention uh, that consumers really have. I love that, that concentration on the direct mail, because I feel like that's something that a lot of people have gotten away from, you know, like I, I can't tell you the last time I got something in the mail that wasn't, you know, a birthday card or something like that. And so I think especially for like cookware and bakeware, that is a very interesting route to take because it is so like closely tied to the home and you know, your products are beautiful. So I can just see like having something in front of me that you can look at and just kind of picture in your own kitchen. I think that's a great avenue. And of course we love Malomo and all the tracking page stuff like that. But I, I haven't heard of another brand taking that route with the direct mail. Yeah, you know, it's definitely an exciting one. And it's one, you know, from a measurability perspective, growth marketers love because you have the addresses, you know who it's going to, you can do holdouts if you'd like. And so definitely one we're excited to invest more in moving forward. Josh, do you think like, especially with a lot of the iOS changes and like not being able to track a lot of the traditional acquisition channels, that some of this like old school kind of direct mail things that you might not have been able to do before or even like wanted to do before might be kind of the, the future of marketing going back to some of that like in your hands kind of marketing like you know that direct mail where you can see it where you can feel it you're actually interacting with the people kind of thing is you know, I've, I've been hearing some of these brands say like, yeah, it's kind of like something like maybe going back to doing some of those things we used to do. Exactly, exactly. You know, um, to put it mildly, you know, measuring Facebook performance in the last several months since the iOS 14.5 rollout has been extremely challenging and, you know, measurability and targeting, you know, were, were two of the biggest pros of using Facebook and why so many brands dove in there first. Um, but those are still things that from direct mail that you can still do very, very effectively as well as other offline mediums. So yeah, I completely yeah. agree. I think we're gonna see uh, you know, pretty big resurgence in offline media. Uh, and I think a lot of people are gonna need to, you know, a lot of growth marketers are going to need to expand, you know, their their um, knowledge, their marketing channels, and you know, really approach things with a much more integrated mix in order to be successful. I think it's gonna be a lot harder to be just successful 
uh, on Facebook, you know, and, and just have that be your whole business now. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely about thinking about creative ways and like finding ways that people are are actually interacting. Like I know we are Malomo, so we're going to talk about, but, but that's a really great uh, avenue to talk about where people are interacting with them. And I think traditionally you hadn't really thought about that that's a really great way to interact with your customers and talk to them about the care of their product, talk to them about other products that you have and kind of interact with them that way. And I think, you know, before, before, the, you know, ship Mageddon a couple of years ago, people might not have even thought about that. Yeah. You know, I think just like how we combine, you know, acquisition retention um, and digital product for us, it's all about those consumer touch points. And so those consumer touch points, it's a Facebook ad, it's a direct mailer, it's our e-commerce site, but it's also what happens after you order. So it's the emails, it's the tracking page, it's all of that. And so it's all those areas of consumer focus and attention, um, you know, that we really, you know, want to be there to capitalize on it. Um, and one to your point that, especially on the tracking page standpoint, uh, has been uh, underinvested. Uh, I think from from a lot, as a lot of places view it as a cost center, you know, or or a CX concern, you know, than a marketing channel. And I think you know they're really missing out on a lot of the potential there. As we're talking about the hurdles, one thing that came to mind as well with cookware, as opposed to some like food and beverage or health and beauty products that are maybe consumed more often than cookware. I imagine that one of the other things that you have to anticipate or plan for is how to keep customers engaged and coming back with a product that that's lasting for a longer time, right? Because cookware, obviously, you want it to be designed well enough that it's going to last because it's an investment. So how do you build out your customer retention strategy with that in mind? And how do you, you know, make sure that you're having those touch points like we just discussed through different channels? But really, how do you have that goal in mind of keeping up that customer relationship? Yeah, it's a great question and, and one that's definitely a challenge for us, you know, when we pitch, you know, our hero cookware set, right, we say these are the four pots and pans, these are the only four pots and pans that you need. And so that, you know, also, while it's, you know, a great marketing pitch, because it, it is very true, but it also, you know, shoots us in the foot a little bit of, you know, from a retention standpoint of, you know, it would be very counterintuitive for us to market that and then say, oh, by the way, here's all these other pieces of cookware we want to give you. And so while there are certainly some people who want that, you know, we really want to be consistent uh, with, with how we brand things. And so for us, yeah, you know, we have evolved, you know, from a single product organization to a multi-product organization, but it's a much, much um, slower process. And while I think, you know, in some ways that's not ideal in others, it gives us a lot of time to learn between each launch. Um, we actually did a direct mailer to our existing audience, starting when we launched our line of accessories, pot holders, tea towels, aprons. And we did that, I believe, maybe six months after our launch. And we were so blown away by the response there. That's how we integrated it into this launch. And so, you know, we now that we have these extended windows between product launches, it's a really great opportunity to, you know, test and see what works. So the next one is kind of that much better. But yes, definitely approach in a very different way than a brand with a much, much higher frequency of purchase. Yeah, I think that's a great point of being able to capitalize on that time that you have so that you really can look at what went well with previous launches, like you said, with 
the linen line that you have. So then being able, like you said, carrying that direct mail into the new bakeware, um, bakeware product launch. I think that's awesome. And I'm curious if you happen to know when, like with different products, what do you typically see as like the interval between buying or um, like purchasing for products? I'm not sure if you have that stat at the ready. Yeah, you know, it, it really depends. So, you know, we have our VIPs who order instantly, right? Like those people who they get the text, they see bakewares there, they buy it. And, you know, that's a, a fair amount of people. But, you know, as we kind of get towards, you know, the larger parts of our customer base, it takes more, um, more time, more uh, marketing, you know, in order to kind of push them over the edge, right? And so I think that's kind of on us as marketers to make sure that we do a great job of telling that story and making them informed, you know, of it in the first place. Um, but yeah, it definitely is, it is a challenge. And I think over time, as we go through, you know, we, we try to figure out what messaging works best, uh, what channels work best, but also acknowledge that at the end of the day, a huge portion, most likely a majority of your customer base will not rebuy you know, the next product in, I should say, in situations like this, um, you know, definitely different for a subscription business or something like makeup or apparel or something like that. Um, but, you know, if we had, for instance, 50, 70% of people buy the bakeware, that would be a massive, massive win. Um, and it's something that uptake rate that we're definitely tracking kind of uh, as we get further from the launch, we're really looking at that, you know, the returning customer cohort separately, of course, and our new customer cohort and trying to really get that number up as much as possible. Um, but yeah, you know, for us in general, from a business perspective, right, you know, it's hard to evolve from a single product organization, right? And, you know, I think one of the first ones that would come to mind would be mattresses, the mattress companies, you know, when they launched, when people think of Casper, they think of a mattress, they've come out with some products since then, some of, you know, which are really great. I own Casper sheets, for instance, but, you know, it's really hard to evolve from that. And so that's why, you know, I think we're really learning right now what it takes and, and really trying to diversify the business as a whole, evolve from, you know, a cookware brand to a kitchenware brand and eventually just a home brand. Yeah, that's that's a great point of seeing how things have to, how you can evolve that brand image or that brand story that you're saying. So with the new product launch, I'd love to dive into that. And I know it was just sort of released, but just to dive in and see what have you been seeing initially and just initial reactions to that? Yeah, you know, we've had a really strong response. And what's been interesting was, like many brands right now, we're facing huge challenges on the supply chain front. And so we actually launched Bakeware with a pretty sizable um, backorder period. It was about a month long, month to a month and a half. Um, and people still bought it. They put the money up and they still bought it. And, you know, at this point, we're about four weeks post-launch, um, we're seeing people continue to buy it, even as our most popular SKUs are shipping December 30th. And it's now October 20th, you know. Um, and that's the kind of loyalty I was talking about, right? People really, really want this. They're going to pay off that credit card statement and probably two after it before they even receive this set, which is going to be post-holiday. Um, and so we've been really, really blown away by the response. And so, you know, facing those supply chain challenges combined with, you know, how much we under forecasted the product has been definitely a challenge, but a good problem to have definitely in the, in the scheme of things here. So would you say, like, would you attribute to a lot of that of 
having customers be comfortable with them receiving their products, you know, months down the line of just having such good quality product and, you know, giving resources to your customers on how to take care of, you know, their cookware and already having that experience versus perhaps being a first time buyer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, one on one side, I think we got a lot of consumers very used to it when our original back order for our cookware started in April of 2020, you know, shortly after um, kind of COVID had begun. Uh, as more and more consumers were inside and cooking from home, they really looked to home brands and cookware was a category that saw substantial growth um, as people were, you know, spending a lot more time cooking. And so we've kind of used that time to optimize our backorder messaging since then to focus on the urgency, you know, be as transparent as possible, all the way from our product page to checkout to emails, transactional emails after everything. Um, and we feel like we've optimized that process pretty well since then. Um, but also to your point, you know, I, I think, you know, arguably the best retention strategy is just having a great original product. And for us, you know, people who have now had their cookware sets over a year, um, you know, that is what really kind of makes them even eligible in the first place, right? Like we can have the best email, SMS, whatever marketing strategy. If consumers don't love their current product, they're not going to buy no matter how much beautiful imagery we throw at them, right? And so that's kind of like the key part. And so, you know, for us, and that's why, you know, I think we're really proud of the products that we put out. Um, and that's why sometimes, you know, we know we could definitely release products a lot faster, but we don't want to release products unless they're of kind of the quality that our customers would expect of us. I think that says so much for you guys and for your brand and like how authentic you are about making really good products that you're just doing it and you're doing it really intentional and you're going to make really good products and you're going to put out something really great. And so your customers are gonna buy it no matter how long they have to wait for it. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's something we're very grateful to our, you know, to our customers for N1, you know, we're always collecting feedback on, you know, what new products, what new product lines. We've seen some crazy, crazy ideas. We've seen a lot of consistency on, on others, but, you know, it's also a lot of fun. You know, I remember when we started surveying customers about bakeware specifically after we saw how important it was, we asked an optional question of, send us a picture of your cabinets. And I must have looked through 300 photos of cabinets that were incredibly messy. Some were disastrously messy. Um, you know, they had this <laughs> bakeware that all stained and gross and stacked, and this is falling out and the cabinet doors barely holding it in. And, you know, when we see pictures like that, I mean, one, it validates kind of our strategy of taking a holistic view of the product and including storage. Um, but it's also great for our before photos, <laughs> you know, when we launch the product and people, you know, we say these are literally real kitchens. These are kitchens of our customers. They showed us how it is now. And this is why, you know, this is the new product. This is how we designed it to be different for you. We really want to solve that problem. And so, you know, the dialogue that we have with customers after purchase, I think has been kind of a, a key part of that and one that we're, you know, looking forward to continuing. I'm curious now, you mentioned with the feedback that you get that you've gotten some crazy ideas. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. I'm struggling to have one that comes to mind. Um, there, or, one, yeah. or one that he can share. <laughs> or one that I can share for that matter. <laughs> yeah, let's just say that they, have been all over the map and people think 
you know, of their specific niche and what would be great for them. Cause I mean, that's obvious, that's what we're asking. We're not asking of like, would this be, you know, a product that many people use? Um, and so there's definitely been a product here or there that I honestly haven't, didn't even know existed prior to reading what their response was. And some, I definitely had to Google uh, before, you know, uh, presenting the survey results. That's that's funny. <laughs> I I'm also curious on a more you know serious note. How do you collect that feedback? So is it mainly through surveys that you send out via emails or SMS after a purchase, or you know what what avenues do you explore with that? Yeah, primarily email based surveys. Um, you know we have a pretty substantial portion of our buyer base opted into SMS right now as well. So that's something we'll also be exploring. Um, but yeah, we, we really do try to collect as much quantitative and qualitative data as possible. Um, and as our customer base has grown, we've been sending this to larger and larger segments of our base. Um, and a huge portion want to respond, which is what's really interesting is, you know, we'll send them a survey, you know, we'll most likely offer, you know, a raffle of a, a gift card or something like that. But, you know, a huge portion, just like when a new product comes out, are responding right away. So like if I launched the bakeware survey, I hit send. Right. I believe within in less than, I don't know, a couple hours, we literally have hundreds of responses of people who are just they seem to drop what they're doing just to, you know, provide their feedback. And that's so cool. And it allows us also to do these surveys pretty quickly and get the results and, and turn around maybe a follow up survey or things like that. Um, and so that's been really cool to see as well. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. And I I forget where I first heard it, so I'll fact check it. Um, but it was a podcast that I was listening to and I'm a fanatic for psychology. And one of the tidbits they shared was if you ask people to give their um, give their opinion, then usually they're more than willing to do so because they just, you know, like it's our nature to want to tell people what we're thinking. So that lines up pretty well with collecting feedback and customers wanting to share like, oh, I have this idea, you know, as <laughs> as crazy as it is or as as niche as it is, this is what I'm thinking, or this is what I really like, what I don't like. And that that very much is similar to what you're saying of you get a lot of engagement pretty quickly from those surveys. Exactly, exactly. You know, I think listening to customers, while it's, it's a cliche, it's hard to overstate how important it is. You know, when we were early on as a business and we didn't have a ton of creative, you know, to run on for Facebook ads, you know, we're still figuring out what messaging works. We relied pretty heavily on reviews and, you know, at the beginning, I remember, you know, building the Facebook ads myself, we would take UGC of, you know, uh, customer submitted, you know, um, pictures and, and videos that they sent in of their new cookware that they love so much and the reviews, which are incredibly, uh, some are incredibly verbose in how they describe their experience with their with their cookware. And so we would literally take those, we take the UGC, we take the review, run it as an ad, throw it in an email, um, you know, pulled it into Google Shopping. And, and that really helped build a lot of our initial marketing foundation. And, you know, we, we had our brand copy, we were refining our messaging points, but just showing customers what other customers voluntarily told us. Um, and that's kind of the approach we've taken with everything. Mm -hmm. And along with that messaging, you had mentioned earlier about the intentionality behind the backorder messaging and optimizing for that. So what does that messaging look like? Yeah, so I think first and foremost is the transparency aspect. I think what would have 
maybe worked in the short term but backfired a bit later would be you know if we essentially just like hide it hide it hide it maybe put it in small you know at the bottom of an email or you know very small asterisk somewhere um and so you know myself uh, i worked very closely with our head of operations and head of cx to really you know look at the entire experience and be transparent okay you know this is when it's shipping and, and carry that forward so that later there isn't any you know complaints we try to be a little conservative and so most likely they're going to receive it early as well which is also you know a nice little su surprise and delight there um but i do think customers appreciate that transparency and it also drives urgency right you know we're saying this is when it'll arrive you know most likely but also you know an example of bakeware we already sold out of the batch before this that was shipping you know three weeks earlier so you know it kind of pushes them to say okay well i don't want this batch to sell out i want to buy a part of this batch and so it kind of has the the dual function of there of you know being very transparent like you know we want to do but also conveying that urgency and i think what goes so hand in hand with that is also trying to understand the customer and put yourself in their shoes so as you know, we can use the bakeware example again of as you're preparing to launch this new product, how do you then, you know, try and anticipate what your customers are going to want and need in terms of that communication, but then also with the product line? Yeah, you know, I think we rely pretty heavily, you know, one, of course, when we discuss it internally, we have some, you know, pretty open dialogue of questions, you know, so on one end, you know, our CEO who knows the bakeware backwards and forwards, right? He'll present it to the team and then we'll ask all these questions, you know, most of which she's thought of, but of course there's always something here or there. Um, and so we kind of do that internally. We do chat, you know, with friends and family, um, whether it be the features we're thinking of focusing on, um, what's important to them, you know, in tandem with that survey data as well. And so, you know, it's, it's pretty scrappy to a certain extent, but we try to anticipate as much of, I guess at the end of the day, you know, we're consumers too. And we try to approach it of, yes, this is our marketing hat. Yes, we want to say this, 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 but like, what do people really care about? And that's what, you know, we've, we've really pulled in as much feedback as possible. That's great. I noticed too, a big part of the customer journey for Caraway is comforting your customer during that the buying process because it is like we said more of an investment with cookware so i noticed that you guys have a like 30-day trial period that you can try things out and like happily return your products if they aren't for you so what was the i guess what i'd like to know is what's the motivation to have that trial period so that you know you can ensure to the most of your abilities that customers are happy with their Caraway products. Yeah, you know, I think we've taken inspiration from a lot of other brands, you know, the mattress companies, some offer as long as a year, which is, you know, crazy to think about. Um, but, you know, for us, we're, we have a product that we can't resell. So, you know, once you receive your cookware, you know, the cookware set box is 34 pounds, right? That's not easy to uh, move, you know, backwards, reverse logistics, and it's also quite expensive. Um, so kind of separately, we do actually have, you know, um, processes in place and, and donate, you know, our, our returns. But, um, you know, we really wanted to make sure that, yes, they feel comfortable with the purchase. A $400 cookware set, you know, while, um, you know, compared to perhaps some other types of cookware, maybe on the less premium side, it's still a lot, a lot of money. And for, you know, the, the cohorts that we're targeting, a lot of the time it is a pretty substantial purchase. 
And so, you know, when we were thinking of how can we make, you know, customers feel comfortable ahead of time, that was one of the key parts. So of course, you know, we have the free shipping, we have that. Another big part for us has also been just our CX team, right? We have live chat on the site. You know, if you chat in, you know, during business hours and before and after, most likely you'll get a, you'll get, um, a real person responding to you in less than a minute. Um, and they'll answer all your questions. And one of the things that I've been so impressed with, and that's been also key to kind of the loyalty is our customer service team will do like whatever it takes to make customers happy. And there've been cases of, you know, one of the most common questions pre-purchase is I can't decide what color to get. They're all so nice. <laughs> and so we've literally had customer, you know, experience, uh, representatives on our side, literally just say, oh, you know, do you mind sending us a picture of your kitchen and like Photoshop essentially our cookware set into their kitchen, right? And it's stuff like that, that we do, um, you know, that really, and some people see that and like, oh yeah, you know, now I really want the stage one. And then you see, you know, five minutes later, they make a purchase. Um, and so we really do whatever we can pre-purchase to, you know, make the customer as comfortable as possible. Um, and that, you know, that's been like, you know, a fun anecdote for it, but we, yeah, we really try and focus on it. It's been, you know, pretty successful to date. That is amazing. Now you're going to have everybody who listens to this sending pictures to <laughs> their kitchen photoshopped it. Um, yeah, well now we're working to, you know, bring more UGC into the site, more kitchens to show how it looks in different types yeah. of kitchens. And so, yeah, just like anything else, it's another learning channel for us. Um, so we take that and see how we can, you know, make it scalable. That is a great initiative, I have to say, because the curiosity of it alone, that's great of just seeing, you know, like what different colors would match your kitchen. So that's that's phenomenal. Yeah, I know that is the hard choice, though, is like all the colors are so pretty. Yeah, it is a it is a tough one. I ended up going with navy myself, but I struggled. I probably took a month to decide for my initial purchase. <laughs> yeah. Um, kudos to your, you know, your team for <laughs> doing that and having that dedication to Photoshop pots and pans. That's amazing. Yeah. And too, I think as we're talking about comforting the customers while they're in that buying process, I think we have to mention also the post-purchase side of things that you can you have the resources to give to customers and I know on your tracking page it has the care tips um, of how to make sure that your cookware is you know lasting as long as it should and that you're taking care of it because it is intentionally such a premium product and so I think that also just speaks to the, the lengths that Caraway goes to ensure that customers are taken care of. Yeah, you know, that was really important to us from the beginning. I remember building out those original email flows um, and, you know, while the customer waits for it to arrive, you know, they see it on the tracking page now. They see it, you know, coming to their email inbox. We're not trying to sell them of anything, you know, right then. We're saying, hey, you know, preemptively here, here's what, you know, you want to do. Um, and we have one blog article I know, I think it's called Five Ways to Store Your Caraway, that I think is our single most popular uh, blog article. Um, with thousands and thousands and thousands of hits. Um, and yeah, customers really, really want that inspiration. They want that guidance. And, you know, we all were approaching it the same way. We want them to enjoy the product as long as possible. And with that, I would love to end on one piece of advice if you had to pinpoint that, you know, you try and take with you as you're building out strategies for Caraway for your customer retention. What's one thing that you just take with you day to day or that you'd 
give to someone else, you know, perhaps just starting in this space? Yeah, you know, I think just be very open to testing and new ideas. Um, you know, I, I think, like I mentioned, everyone will do email and that's the first and often the last, unfortunately, for a lot of brands um, and how they approach retention marketing. And so, yeah, really think through those areas of attention from for a customer um, of yours. And, you know, where in those attention areas can you put your brand in an authentic way? Um, and so, you know, I named some of the areas that we focus on. I'm sure there's more that we'll be testing. I'm sure there's some that other brands have seen success with as well. Um, and I think it's an evolving process. So definitely just try to think through and test and, you know, figure out the best way to, to get in front of your customers there. That's phenomenal advice. Thank you, Josh. And thank you for spending, you know, this hour with us. It's been great just to hear about all the amazing things that Caraway is doing and that you're, you know, helping to achieve there. So thank you for all your time. Yeah, glad I could be here. Thanks, Josh. So here's our fact check. I just wanted to clarify a couple of things. There were a ton of facts in there, but I'm not going to specify or speak to the facts that didn't need any clarification. So Josh speaks to their hero cookware set that when Caraway was a one product brand, they advertised it as being the only cookware kitchenware set that you would need. And then we eventually learn about the multi-products that Caraway now carries, such as the newly launched bakeware. And I just wanted to explain that that was launched right before Black Friday, Cyber Monday, 2021. So that was launched about a month prior to when we had this conversation. And of course it's been posted later. I also wanted to clarify that the reference that Josh makes to Casper when he's speaking to companies, other companies that have went from a single product to a multi-product company. He was referring to Caraway once being only a cookware set to now expanding to things such as their linen line and their bakeware set. That was really all that we had to clarify on our end for the facts because Josh lists a ton of facts, but they were all accurate. So we don't have to rehash those out. We hope you enjoyed this episode and come back for more. As always, make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform and follow Malomo on your favorite social media channels. Let us know what you think in the comments.